Morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2021. Welcome to City Church. We're starting a new teaching series today, and we're going to be teaching through the book of Genesis, um, a book which is familiar to many, at least parts of it will be, and uh, steeped in what, you know, some would describe as controversy. We're going to look to unpack it and to see what it means to us today here in 21st century Bristol. And we're going to try and uh, ask ourselves, what is Genesis, these first few chapters of Genesis, what are they really saying? Not what would we like them to say or not what they could be manipulated to say, but what is it telling us about ourselves, about God, about our relationship with him, about what went wrong with humanity and how uh, God has worked out a plan to redeem what has been broken. So let's just begin. Let's begin with these first two verses, which is what I'm going to be looking at today in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. When we start to study the Bible, we need to start with the very basics. Any passage that you read, open the Bible at any point, and these questions need to be answered at some point if you're going to get real meaning from it. For instance, who wrote this? When was it written? Who was it written for? What questions does this passage, does this book seek to answer? It's not always possible to answer these questions correctly for every book of the Bible, but nonetheless we should attempt to answer them. Let's take it for instance, the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. We don't know who wrote it. We don't know the author. Um, most of the New Testament we know clearly who the author is because they introduce themselves, but not in Hebrews. But we do know who Hebrews was written for. It was written for Jewish believers and those of the Hebrew background who were seeking Jesus. It was written because uh, the writer wanted to convince them and reassure them that Jesus was indeed the Messiah, the one they'd been looking for all this time. Next thing we'll come to as we look at uh, a book of the Bible is the genre. What kind of literature is this? Is it poetry? Is it, is it, is it narrative? Is it wisdom literature? What is it? Uh, what kind of writing is it? And again, with some parts of the Bible, we can be very sure. Luke's Gospel, for example, we can be absolutely certain what was intended uh, because we, he tells us. And let's read the first few verses of Luke's Gospel. Many have undertaken, says Luke, to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled amongst us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. This is an orderly account, a, a, a historical narrative researched from people who were there, who saw the events happen. Other books are also fairly easy to place. Psalms, that, it's poetry, those, they, these are songs. Jeremiah and Isaiah are largely prophetic. We, we know these things. And then there are some parts of the Bible that are a bit harder to place in terms of their genre. And sometimes it's because we're unfamiliar with the genre itself. Parts of the book of Daniel parts of, and, and the book of Revelation and others, in fact, are called apocalyptic literature. We don't have a modern equivalent for that. And so it can feel very strange, full of symbols and imagery. If we don't know what we're reading, if we don't understand the genre, it can seem very strange and very mysterious. So the million dollar question is this, what genre is Genesis 
chapter 1. Well, we'll get there. I'll tell you what I think in a moment. But these are the things that we do know for sure. Written by Moses, that's certainly the tradition. Most likely written during the Exodus at some point. And written to Israel, written to this emerging nation to tell it about its place in the world and that God was supreme over all. It's the book of beginnings. Now the big shock to the prevailing religions of the time when this, uh, this religion, this faith began to emerge was this. There was only one God. That would have been the shock to those first readers of this, uh, of this book. Now many nations worshipped gods, but there were a pantheon of gods. Many, many, many gods. Uh, in some cases, thousands of gods. And here, very clearly, we're reading there is one God. That would be the big shock. Let's also just point out that the New Testament writers and Jesus himself pointed regularly to Genesis when they were answering questions and settling disputes, dealing with questions of marriage and authority and all kinds of other things. Genesis is quoted 40 plus times in the New Testament as a source of foundational authority. And we need to uh, take so much from those New Testament. When a New Testament writer refers to an Old Testament book, we need to listen very, very carefully at their interpretation of it. Because there we are getting commentary from Bible writers about the meaning of an ancient text. So when the New Testament writers quote the Bible, Jesus himself quotes Genesis, we need to be really careful that we, we understand what he's saying and why is he saying it. And many times he's pointing, Jesus is pointing, others are pointing them to Genesis and saying, here's how it began. Here are the foundations. Here's the intention for humanity. And, and, and to get things right is to line up with that intention. So here we go. What do I think about Genesis 1 in terms of its genre? Well, I think it mostly, uh, it, it mostly takes the shape of a, po a poem or a song with repeated patterns and a cadence which flows through the days of creation. By the time we get to Genesis 2, it becomes more narrative-like. Uh, and by that, I mean we've got references uh, to names of places and people. And, and generations of people. But here in Genesis 1, there is a flow, a rhythm of days, a rhythm which repeats, and even phrases which repeats, where God says, it's good, it's good, as the days pass. Now, having said that, there are many that would argue that this is just straight history, and this is exactly what happened and exactly how it happened. And let's just say this about the, that, uh, that, that sort of spectrum of understanding. That, that it's well within the, the camp, as it were, of Bible-believing, God-honoring theologians that there, there's room for variance between the literal and the, and the poetic. The challenge for us is to make room for those who don't quite land where we do on this scale. And listen, I, even as a pastor, I've been on the sharp end of both of people who fiercely tell me, no, this is exactly uh, history. These days are exact 24-hour periods. Or, 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 of course, that's utter nonsense. And how could you possibly believe that? And we need to make room and have open and honest discussions about what we think, being honest about what the text says and our understanding, even as I've described how we would come to meaning from it. The sad part, I guess, of the debate around Genesis 1 and 2 and 3, I guess, is this. It is so rich 
with meaning. It answers so many questions uh, of the fundamental questions about God, about humanity, about what's gone wrong with our world. It answers those questions plainly and clearly for us and it begins to show us a way out of the mess that we are in. And in the heat of, this, uh, of the other debates, the questions it doesn't really answer, uh, we miss these things. They're robbed from us. Now, our intention, my intention, the intention of others who are going to share this series together is that we put those things back into their rightful place, that we would get a true understanding of what Genesis 1, 2, and 3 are telling us. What do we learn from it? So let's start with the verses themselves. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty, Darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. These two verses, the beginning of Genesis, actually serve as a summary for the whole of the book. It it tells us something about the whole of the book. It tells us where we're going and where the story is going to conclude. You could sum it all up. All all the book is, well, God created the heavens and the earth. He made it from nothing and it was his intention to do it. But without apology or explanation, the Bible begins with God as a creator. In the beginning, God. Doesn't, doesn't answer any whys or wherefores or who made God or anything like that. It just tells us in the beginning, God. That's what we need to know. That's important for us, foundational for us, that in the beginning, before anything else, outside of all that's been created and everything that we know and experience, God is. And that's where we begin I don't know if you've ever uh, watched the program, Who Do You Think You Are? I watched an episode of it the other day. Or whether you've ever signed up for Ancestry.com or whether you've had your DNA profile mapped. Um, if you have done any of those things, or at least if you're curious about them, you'll know that, that within each of us, or many of us, there's a desire to know where we've come from. Where do I, uh, where, where, no, where do I belong in the world? How do I fit in? When we lived in Cape Town many years ago, there was a large group of people within the city who'd been born out of liaisons between slave owners and slaves many, many generations before. Now, this group were distinct and identifiable, and, and yet they couldn't track their ancestry. And not knowing where they came from affected them deeply and negatively. And here in Genesis 1, we are told, you're not an accident... You're not a freak of fate. You are a product of intent, of planning, even of passion. There is an intelligent creator behind your existence. Now, the Bible mostly refers to God as Father as we track through the books of the Bible. And so what we learn here is that there is a Father who intended you. In the beginning, God, the Father, created He made you. He intended you with passion and intent and purpose and planning. He made you and all the rest of us, of course. This gives us, brothers and sisters, a firm foundation, a place uh, where we find, where we fit, a foundation for our lives. God made you. God created you. God intended you. And so he did the planet and all the others as well, the heavens and the earth. Secondly, we, we, we understand this. God created. We began to unpack this a little bit already. The world 
Whatever the mechanics of its existence is created. It's not an accident of chance. And this has some obvious implications. God created the heavens and the earth. It belongs to someone. It belongs to God. As a creator, God deserves, and his creation too, deserves wonder, which often comes naturally to us, but it also deserves respect, which in recent times has been less easy to find. God's, God has created, imagine, imagine you go to a, a beautiful garden that's open to the public. Now you treat that garden with respect because you recognize someone put effort and energy into it. You don't go and trash it. This, brothers and sisters, this world, this universe was made by God. It belongs to him. He is the creator of it. And with all its majesty and beauty, with all its wonder, it belongs to him. And we need to treat it with respect. It's not just a cash machine. It's not a cow to milk it until it drops. It is a created place. It belongs to God. In the latest BBC series with Sir David Attenborough, if you've watched it, called A Perfect Planet, he describes the wonders of the earth. He does a good job of it, I think. He begins the process with a description of how the earth is tuned to support life. Now, he's by no means a believer in God at all. But what he describes is the fine tuning of God's creative brilliance. And he says, this planet, uh, as far as we know, of all the planets uh, in the entire solar system, and maybe in the entire universe, uniquely supports life. And the Bible says he, God made it that way. He created it to be exactly that. And in that series and others, even just looking through the windows sometimes, we see, wow, this creative genius, this absolute brilliance of God to bring a planet that could support life and us, of course, in our time too. And as we follow the story through in the coming weeks, we're going to see how that within that creative brilliance, God makes a garden and God puts people in the garden and he instructs them. He says, go and continue that creative journey. Go uh, join me in this creative uh, wonder. Go take this garden and expand it throughout the whole earth. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> Let's get back to these verses. Thirdly, we see this. The earth was formless and void. And some theologians would say that this is actually a description of before the whole of creation. But he says it was formless and void. And out of that formless and void, God made something. Now, there are two Hebrew words which are interesting. I'm no Hebrew scholar, but they're interesting words. They sound good. I'm going to tell you what they are now. The, the words for formless and void in Hebrew are this, tohu and bohu. The, the world was tohu and bohu. It was formless and void. It was chaotic and it was disordered. And what does God do? He speaks order out of chaos. He takes the tohu and bohu of the pre-existence of, of nothing and he speaks order and creativity and wonder and brilliance and beauty and passion and love. He speaks all that into it. He brings order out of chaos. Have you noticed um, in the news lately, whichever news channel you've been watching and whichever nation you've been following, frankly, that the descriptions of, of chaos being a terrible thing for a country is all across the news waves. 
It is. You see, it's chaotic. The, the rollout of the vaccine is chaotic, or the, the way that we've organized ourselves is it's just chaos. It's never a good thing. <laughs> and we know that too, because sometimes we look at our own lives and say, oh, it's, my, it's just chaos right now. It's chaotic. My finances are chaotic. There is no order. And what do we find? We find a God at the heart of it all who speaks order into chaos. In fact, he speaks it out of chaos. He is able, he is powerful, he's creative. He can bring order out of chaos. And actually this creative gift, and many of us carry some of that creative, I know many of you carry this creative gift too. You know what this is like. The creative gift, it sees something that doesn't exist yet and calls it and coaxes it, brings it into being. We've got some great painters in our church. That's what you do. You see, you see a, a, a blank canvas and, and you, you literally see something that's not yet there and then you bring it into being. And that's just a tiny reflection of what God has done with the formless and the void, with the chaos and disorder of what the world was and brings out of it beauty and order and wonder. Now, fourthly, I want to just say this, that there's another place in the Bible that describes the creation. In fact, it's in the New Testament. Um, the first few verses of John's Gospel, he retells this story of the beginning and he does it like this. It's John 1 and the first five verses. I'll read them to you. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And what John, John does in his account, his retelling of Genesis 1 and 1 and 2, is he adds to our understanding. He, he, he's commentating on Genesis 1. He's saying, look, there's things that we now know that, that they could never have known then. And, that, and the main thing is this, that he's saying Jesus was there. The pre-incarnate Jesus was right there in creation because, of course, we know Jesus is God. There he was, part of that creative journey. And what the Bible says uh, about, uh, about this book about Jesus from beginning, uh, or what we say actually, sorry, is that, we, is that the Bible is a book about Jesus, beginning to end. And it's verses like these that make us say that. John is saying, look, it was Jesus right there at the beginning, calling the world into existence. And in fact, John goes to great pains to tell us that Jesus was right at the heart of things. It's, it was through him, it was by him. Nothing was made that has been made that wasn't made through him. It was his voice that spoke out over the void and called creation into being. In fact, as we go back to that Genesis account and we, we mix in what John says, the Apostle John says about it, what we find is Father, Son and Holy Spirit at work in creating the world. Just in those first two verses of the Bible. All this creative brilliance and power then is part of the gospel of Jesus. The other thing that John does is he describes Jesus as the Word. He says, right there at the beginning was the Word. And what he means by that is he says, everything that God is saying, all the things that God is wanting to communicate about himself, about us, about the rescue plan that was to come, is, is culminated in Jesus. He is the Word. 
If you want to know something about who God is, if you want to understand something about what he's saying, about what he means, you need to look to him. And there it is. Jesus speaking order out of chaos. This plan, this redemption, this redemption purpose is baked there right into creation, right at the beginning with Jesus at the heart of it all. Now just as we draw to a close, I want to read you what the Apostle Paul says in his reflections on creation. Now this is more challenging. Romans 1 verse 18 to 20, we read this. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the wickedness and godlessness of people who suppress the truth with their wickedness. This is what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So what Paul is saying about creation, and it's, it, it's, it is challenging. He's saying God speaks through his creation. God is communicating, just as John says, God is communicating through this creation. The word of God, the, the word of God that spoke all this into being is telling you something about himself, even when we observe what's been made. He's saying there's something about God's eternal power. I remember a few years ago, I stood and I watched Victoria Falls uh, just on the edge of Zimbabwe and Zambia. And I, I stood and I, I, it was the, they, they call it the, uh, the, the rain that thunders. And it really does. It is just unbelievably powerful. And you realize I, I'm learning something. I'm feeling it in every cell of my body. It's, it's literally vibrating through me and the sound is overwhelming. I'm learning something about God's eternal power through what he has made. I'm learning something about his divine nature. As we see the, the, the earth reproduce, clean the air, make animals and ply it, we, we said something about God's divine creative nature in what we observe. Now Paul's not saying that everything that needs to be known about God can be discerned through creation, but he is saying this. There's enough to point you in the right direction. There are enough hints to tell you something about who God is, to make you answer ask questions, to seek answers. Maybe that's you. Maybe you uh, are here listening today with all kinds of questions about the state of the world, about maybe the state of your own life. And maybe uh, as you observe the good and the bad of creation, the, the challenges of it, the, what we maybe have done to it, you've got questions too. Now, there's a, a great course you could sign up to, the Alpha Course, which lets you come with all your questions. And, and get them answered, or at least discuss it with other people who have questions too. And I just want to encourage you that when the next one comes along, and it will be along very soon, you can see, uh, hear about it on our website, do sign up, come and get answers to these questions. Creation itself prompts the questions that you might have. But now just as we close, I want to just apply some of this to us right now. Listen, life has been challenging beyond anything we've experienced uh, before in the last year. And if you are feeling, feeling that your life is chaotic and disordered, God is speaking to you right now. He's saying, yes, absolutely, I understand. But I want you to trust me as the God who speaks order out of chaos, who speaks clarity into the void, who speaks creativity into the disrupted mess 
that our lives sometimes feel like they're in. If you, this morning, are feeling rootless and unsettled, if you feel like, I don't know where I come from, I don't know where I fit, then God is speaking to you right now. He's saying you're not, uh, you, you know, your life is not just a, a random series of, of, of events. It's not that you're tumbling through life, bumping into people randomly. No, he's saying there is a plan and intention for you and for your life. You are intended, you are created, you are made with purpose and passion by a father who loves you. Listen, if you're feeling that you need more information, your life lacks meaning, then God is speaking to you. There is meaning. You are telling a story. Even in your life, you're telling a story of actually of God's wonder and care, of his love and goodness. And if you maybe this morning are feeling like you just don't have the power to carry on, then brothers and sisters, God is speaking to you this morning. He's saying, I have planned you. I've put purposes in place for you. I love you, I care about you. God is speaking to you. What we need to do is to begin our journey into 2021 by worshipping the God of creation. Worshipping the one who calls order out of chaos. Who speaks passion and love into the void. The God who spoke and who speaks through Jesus. Who is the word of God, who makes what's challenging, he makes it plain for us to understand. And just as we close, let me just pray for us this morning. Father, I thank you that you are a creator God. Lord, we, we just worship you as, as creator and sustainer of all things. Lord, it's so far beyond our abilities that we can only worship. And when we see the things you've made, we recognize your, your power, your creativity, your brilliance. Lord Jesus, we can but worship and we do that now. We say we give ourselves to you again. We, we trust you, we follow you. We give ourselves our time, energy, our money. We give it to you because you alone are creator God. Amen.